You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Well, Pascal, here we go again. It is the film marketing section. Now, people watching the show, people listening to the show might be a little bit shocked by what we've chosen to talk about this week. Most people expect us to be talking about science fiction or horror or fantasy, but we're actually going to talk about a musical this week. Pascal, we're going to talk about Mamma Mia. Now, Mamma Mia, the reason I thought it would be a really good film to talk about was because I think Mamma Mia represents the ultimate in content repurposing. If you think about it, Mamma Mia started way back in the 70s. A Swedish group called ABBA won the Eurovision Song Contest with a a song called Waterloo, and they were propelled to mega global stardom over the ensuing years lots of number ones lots of incredibly catchy songs hitting the charts great albums and then one lady for Lydia Lloyd had a great idea why don't we write a stage musical based around the songs of ABBA now, these days, these things are called jukebox musicals, and they're, they're pretty ten a penny. You know, there's, uh, there's the Queen one, which is called We Will Rock You. There was one called Sunshine on Leith. Um, there's Rock of Ages. You know, jukebox musicals are all over the world now. But back when Mamma Mia hit the theatres in 1999, this was the first time that this had been done. So Philidia Lloyd was the producer and the, the writer of the book, the, uh, the theatre book, was called Catherine Johnson. Now, I remember going to see Mamma Mia the year it was launched. Now, in, in fact, we did corporate hospitality. So in that first year, I saw it three times. Uh, I've, seen the stage, <laughs> I've seen the stage play six times, um, Pascal. I've seen it three times in London, twice in Edinburgh, and once in New York. So I was a bit of a Mamma Mia fiend. And then, of course, the natural, re- the natural next progression in this content repurposing was the creation of the film and that was launched in 2008 and it was a stellar cast Pierce Brosnan, Meryl Streep, Amanda Seyfried, all sorts of others and and it it was just I mean it's a cheesy film glorious uh, visuals you know the, the the Greek island setting was just absolutely astonishing and of course those songs absolutely carried it and I, I remember when I went to the the first time I saw the stage version and you know the song would come in and and you almost cringed with delight at how they managed to shoehorn <laughs> the song into the narrative there was that collective oh my goodness and and of course you don't get that the second time you go to the to the uh, theater to see it but because it was subtly different in the film i guess i had that experience 
again. So that's why I wanted to pick Mamma Mia to talk about this week, Pascal, because it's the ultimate in content repurposing. I, I would agree. Now, interestingly, so you and I, obviously, uh, people would expect, you know, we talk about, uh, we plan the, the podcast episodes, we, we discuss things. When you mentioned Mamma Mia, my mind went racing back in time to 2008 where I was being centrally dragged, kicking and screaming into the <laughs> theatre. My plan, actually, Roger, I'm ashamed to say, was I'd agreed to go uh, eventually after much reluctance, and I thought, I know what I'd do. When we go to the cinema, so I think we went to the Metro Centre near Newcastle-upon-Tyne, Gateshead, near where I live, I'll buy a ticket for a different film the rest of them can go and see Mamma Mia, and I will go and see something far superior. When we arrived, there was nothing else to, to, to kind of buy a ticket for, so the timing was slightly off, and Mamma Mia was on so many screens that eventually I went in and I had a wonderful time watching mm. this film. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, when I was offered to go to see Mamma Mia, I went, hmm. So, of course, I did my movie nerd thing of checking, you know, who was director, who the cast were, and so on. I didn't know the director much, but that's understandable because her work has been primarily stage and small screen. But I have to say, Meryl Streep, I thought, well, hang on a minute, she's not going to be involved in a bad project. Stellan Skargaard, Colin Firth, you know, Piers Brosnan, Julie Waters, Christine Baranski, who is one of my kind of favorite comedian from the US. Um, I went, well, I can't, there's nothing else to go and see. I sat down. And it begins. And you're right, the cinematography was stunning. The way the song were weaved into the storyline was very, very clever. But I have to tell you, I really got it. I would say I enjoyed the whole film, but I got the the spirit of the film at the end with these crazy closing credits when yes. they appear on stage dressed essentially like 70s ABBA look and they all were essentially doing some kind of karaoke uh, session. The hall of the theater room were up dancing in the yep. aisles and yep. so on and so forth. Now, what was interesting, this was essentially leading up to, I think we went in the autumn for memory. Now, bear in mind that this has been on screen for quite some time and I thought, what a feel-good movie to kind of help you start the end of your festivities. So I am a um, reluctant, if you like, a fan <laughs> of the movie. But I agree with you. What a lesson in repurposing. But also what I think the lesson is, is to also, so if you want to repurpose content, Roger, invite people who are truly good at the new format you're thinking of. So you may be the author of the songs in this case, but you perhaps not, obviously, you don't know what stage is like, you don't know what film production is like, you don't know what maybe a book would be like or audiobook. So you invite the right people to help you take the project forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, I was the same. When we went to the cinema to see it, they were up dancing at the end. <laughs> and, 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 and even, I think Meryl Streep even says, before they sing Waterloo at the end, do you want another one? I know. And, and everybody in the audience is going, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we were actually at a live performance in the theatre. That it created, I, I think there was that moment I thought, this is a film but it is almost a live performance. And, and, you know, he just came out bouncing around and feeling so good. And, and I think it was one of the highest grossing movies of 2008. Um, and, it, and it beat previous, you know, mega films like Titanic and Avatar. It was so popular. And, and yeah, the, the mainstream media just dismissed it as a cheesy rom-com with songs. And let's face it, 
you know, Pierce Bronson can't really sing, but I, I, it didn't worry me. I just thought it was a great piece of fun. And I, it's the movie that I will watch. And funnily enough, it was actually on television last night. Um, <laughs> was it? <laughs> totally coincidentally. But it is one of those films, if you're feeling a little bit like you need cheering up, especially during the winter, mm. put it on. And that combination of the cheesy plot, the great songs, and the fabulous Greek scenery it will just warm your heart. But I think was um, good about obviously how they managed it. You know, so word of mouth honestly was incredible. But the movie was released in and around I think the end of the summer, and before you know the end of the year, the DVD was out for sale. And one could be quite cynical and look at it from a revenue and sales point of view. But you know, do you remember the days where you had to wait an entire year? before you could get uh, your hands on the DVD copy of a movie. I thought that was so smart that, you know, kind of whilst the audience is really on your side, go for it. And as you mentioned, the sale of the DVD went through the roof. I think you mentioned bit the, the record held by Titanic and Pirates of the Caribbean back then. For me, what was also very interesting and telling was to find that, and so I've not had the pleasure like you to see the stage version three or four times, uh, but, I was aware of the imagery and the calligraphy, no mamma mia, the sign, and the photography and the way in which she was presented was very clearly their own. And they use the same kind of feel and design for for the the film's um, version. So the mamma mia typography was respected, the way in which the different actors, I think there was two versions. There was the poster with all of them, not all the cast, but there was one where they were individually kind of featured and I believe that was the same for the Broadway and, and stage show. But going back to, to the singing, for me, what I took away was there was sincerity, which is that none of them pretend to be singers, mm. but they did a very good job. And one that I think works well, because it's on the edge of not working at all, is the singing between Piers Brosnan and Meryl Streep. The mm. winner's take all, I think, is yep. the title. It's just on the edge of being badly sung, and somehow... <laughs> That kind of keeps you riveted, thinking, "Oh my God, are they going to pull this off?" Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and, and I think the sing along was was part of the marketing, wasn't it? Mm. Quite a lot of the theatres actually ran sing along versions where the words of the songs came up on the screen, so the audience could actually sing along. Not that I think you would need the words because everybody knows the words to other songs, yeah. don't they? Um, and that would have been course- a bit too, too much for me, I think, <laughs> the sing along version. But I was I was very happy um, to, to, you know, like I said. Very reluctant guy. I had a, I had a, a plan to escape and go into a different screening room. And actually, you're right. It, it was it was a blast with um with the um an audience, which sadly at the moment we can't uh, enjoy as much. And yeah, I'm pretty sure we went ahead and bought the TV like everybody else. Yeah, we we did buy the DVD, and and here's a little admission. This is the first time that I've actually done a bit of film editing at a blockbuster level, but one of the songs that was deleted from the original film, The Name of the Game, um, was included on the DVD as a deleted number. And I actually used Windows Movie Maker to edit the song back into the film because <laughs> I wanted to see the, the whole film with the missing song. So, yeah. Okay, so apologies to everybody for choosing such... Well, actually, I'm sorry, not sorry. No, no. Um, yeah, it's a great film. It's a great example of repurposing it's great fun and as i say it can lift the mood at any time you just fancy a little bit of warm heartwarming fun 
Well, we've come to the end of another episode of Two Geeks in a Marketing Podcast. I could say thank you for the music, but I will say thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Please do subscribe and leave comments and suggestions in all the usual places. Until next time, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Pantoni and we shall see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates. 